Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verses 7 and 8 Since no man knows the future, who can tell him what is to come? No man has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the day of his death. As no one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, The second in our series this week, if you tuned in last week, looking at life beyond lockdown and looking at what the book of Ecclesiastes and the Old Testament book of wisdom sort of diagnoses uh, with the human condition, but then what um, some of the scripture and the life and teachings of, of Jesus and those around him can help us with. As we look at worry today, as we look at fear of the future, how can we find reassurance from scripture? And it's my absolute belief and passion, actually, that we really can, that worry is a natural human condition, um, but that actually there are practical things that we can do to respond to that and to acknowledge that at the moment there's a lot of worry around, isn't there? There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of the, the regular scaffolding, if you like, of life has slightly been taken from us a little bit and we're not sure. We're going to start just by looking at a little trust exercise that goes horribly wrong. I saw this just this week on YouTube and uh, maybe there's a little bit of a sense of some of us identifying with this guy. Let's take a look. Fall and we're just, it'll be an exercise in building trust uh, between one another. So Harrison, if you don't mind going first, uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right. And then everybody fill in and we're going to ask you to fall and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. I'm gonna count to three. Just relax and fall. Okay. One, two, three. No way! No no. So there he is, sort of plummeting forward into darkness when all those people were there to catch him. And I think worry can feel a little bit like that. We either kind of go it alone and we go into this unknown abyss uh, of torment and of catastrophizing and all of that, or we fall backwards in a kind of surrender, in a kind of saying, okay, God, you take over. Um, I need you. Jesus, who is our example of this, um, beautifully in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's facing his own death, so he's facing big worry, he and an incredible fear, if you like, for, for his future, he just kneels down in desperation and he says, if it's possible, take this from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And there's a transaction there that I think is really helpful for us as we come to look at this business of worry. He feels it, he acknowledges it, he articulates it even, but he says, but over to you, you've got me, you've got my life. And if you're a Christian today, or even if you're not, there's a sense of the question about who has got our future, who's really got us. I love the bit in Superman where Lois Lane is falling and suddenly Superman appears from nowhere and catches her. He really does catch her. And uh, she looks at him and she says, if you've got me, who's got you? (laughs) And um, there's something about, you know, who's going to catch us? Who's got us? Who's got our rope as we look at the future? And Ecclesiastes, it's amazing, isn't it? It's written all this time ago, this book of wisdom. But the writer of Ecclesiastes asks these questions. And I think ours are probably quite, (laughs) quite similar. He says, since no one knows, 
knows the future, who can tell someone else what, what's ahead, what is to come? He says, there's no one has the power over the wind and the storm to contain it. No one has the power over the time of their death. And in three little statements there, he's saying, we don't know who's got us. He's saying, we don't know who's in control of the elements and the storm and the wind. And we don't know who's got the days of our lives numbered. And the answer I would say as a Christian today um, is I believe God has. I believe the answer to each of those diagnostic, if you like, questions about the human spirit is God's got our future. He is the one that calms the storm. In the New Testament, we hear of Jesus in a boat with his friends and he speaks to the storm and he calms the waves when they're worried. He speaks to it and calms it. So in other words, when they, it's quite interesting, says who's got the power over the wind? Well, Jesus Christ has. He has the power to speak to the storm and to calm it. So the other two readings that we have, those are the questions, if you like, of Ecclesiastes. But what are the answers? Well, there were two verses read from Peter, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. And Peter was the guy who hung out with Jesus. He was close. He was the guy that Jesus had to really challenge. He got things wrong. He was a worrier. He, he worried about things. But he knew that Jesus was faithful and could be trusted and that even when he let him down he was faithful so if ever there was someone who was well qualified to write about how we can be helped with worry it was Peter and he says this in verse 6 he says humble yourself under God's mighty hand so if we think of the thing that we're worried about the things we're worried about right now just say God, you've got me. I humble myself under your mighty hand. I surrender to you. You take control. It's almost like we step into the passenger seat and we say, God, you are driving this thing, this thing called life. Corrie Ten Boom said, do not be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So we surrender, we humble ourselves. And then he says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So he's got this sort of double thing in that he's saying, throw it onto God. Just hurl it at him. He can cope. He can carry it. Change location. Don't you carry it. Let him carry it. Change location. It's not just a passive sort of, you know, holding your hands out. It's a throwing. It's a casting. It's a throw them. Chuck them into the sea. Take your rock and throw it into the sea. Cast those cares. Do it as a, a sort of almost like an active thing. Now, there's a very important distinction between um, an anxiety disorder, a diagnosed anxiety disorder that can come upon people from nowhere and they can't find the source of anxiety. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about our day-to-day -day worry. And usually we can say, this is what we can articulate. This is what I'm worried about. And then we can say, God, you take it. Take it from me. You know, take this bad news or this appointment I'm waiting on. Take this concern I have about the virus or about money and I give it to you. I surrender in full surrender. And Peter says, how do I know you can do that? Because he loves you, because he cares for you. He's for you. So we don't need to be afraid because he's for us. And then we have these verses. 
written in Philippians uh, by Paul, who was a guy who learned to be content um, among incredible worries. He never knew whether he was going to get out of prison, whether he was going to get through shipwreck alive, all sorts of uh, things in the New Testament that Paul goes through. But these are his words. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but... This is the practical bit, because we all would love to be able to just say, well, don't be anxious, but we know we do worry. But he says, but in prayer and in petition, in other words, in asking God, he says, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Take your worries to him. Turn them into prayers. The things that we're worried about today, let's turn them into prayer to bring our requests to God. And he says, you know, have a relationship. Don't be anxious, but... You know, we know it's there, but turn it into prayer and turn it into gratitude. Now, I have a real belief that actually it's very hard for worry and gratitude to stay in the same heart and mind to the same level. And I've seen this in my own life, but in the life of many other people around me, that as we give thanks, as we magnify the good, as we say, God, you've been so good, you have been faithful, I trust you from here on in because I know you can be trusted. And that's what Paul knew, that's what Peter, both these guys They've seen what it is to trust in the living God and to find him faithful. So he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer, in petition and in gratitude and thanksgiving, take your request to God. And there he says this beautiful verse, which is apparently the most highlighted verse on Kindle. The Bible is the most popular book on Kindle, but this is the most, when everyone reads, this is the one they highlight. It says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And if there was ever a verse, we can totally resonate why it's so popular, because we need it. We need a guard at our heart and our minds. We need to be able to do um, that kind of thought catching that it talks about in Corinthians, taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. We want to be able to say, I'm not going to spiral into catastrophe, but I am going to be able to say, let the peace of Christ guard my heart. A guard defends. A guard stands in defence of something. If you think of the sort of centre guard, it's guarding our heart. The peace is saying, I'm not going to let that rob me. And I was reading Max Licardo's book on worry, and he says that actually... It's okay to be anxious, we all will have worries, but don't become a prisoner of your anxiety. Don't become captive again. In Jesus, we have freedom. We have freedom, we have freedom to live and to live life to the full, even in lockdown or even beyond lockdown. Don't let worry just keep on holding you prisoner. Do something whether it's praying as we read, or whether it's saying, no, I'm going to let the peace of Christ guard my heart. Tim Keller on a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago I was listening to, and he says, um, it's really interesting actually, he says, don't listen to yourself, speak to yourself, which again is a little bit like CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy almost. Again, the Bible's ahead of the game, because he says in scripture, 
capture. It's not about listening to those voices that we all have of worry and catastrophe. It's speaking to ourselves. So we've got the worry. Let's speak to it. Let's speak truth to it. What promises can we find in scripture that say you are a healer? You are a provider. You are my shield. You are my protector. You are always with me. And almost put those promises against the worry, put them on our phones, put them on our screens or on our fridge and just say, no, I'm, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to claim that, that promise and, and find my peace again. To not listen to those voices, but to speak truth. You know, there's brilliant examples in the Bible where, where even the psalmist is saying, awake my soul and sing, speaking to our own minds and to our own hearts. So what have we learned just in those few verses? We've learned the importance of surrender, the importance of gratitude, the importance of praying and asking specifically for help and that peace of God that as we cast, as we throw those cares onto him, that we can trust that actually the deposit in our lives will be that peace that will guard us. I um, was on a trip to New Zealand, very fortunately, a few years ago, and we had a few days off in Queenstown, which is known as the adrenaline capital. And so we had three days to do amazing things, bungee jumping, I didn't do that. I did hot natural pools, which was very much my cup of tea on the mountain side. But all three of us um, who were travelling together decided that we would do the shot over jet, which is this jet that's sort of on the water that goes on the canyon and that speeds towards the rock and then just at the moment where it's going to hit the rock it spins a 360 and uh, goes another way and uh, you're, you're all screaming you're all soaking wet and uh, that's the that's the plan so we'd agreed to do that we'd paid to do that and we were just on the coach trip actually to get to the shot over jet uh, canyon and actually on that coach trip we had a driver who was pretended to be drunk when we got on the coach, made jokes about, oh, I've only just had two cans on the way and all of this. And I was just thinking, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. <clears throat> he then started joking that he'd got pins and needles and pains all down his arm. Um, he was on the black ice, going fast on the black ice as we got towards the, the side of the cliff. And I was terrified. And this was just the journey to the jet thing. And I was just thinking, this is absolutely the worst day of my life. And listening to some worship music that one of my friends gave me to listen to at the time and it was um oh no you never let go you never let go of me uh, through the storm through the rain you never let go of me and how true those words are and how much I needed to hear them at that time he never lets go of us so it's just you know closing my eyes and listening to that but it was horrible so much so that when we actually did arrive about an hour later at the canyon people were really fraught as you can imagine and I said if this is the company that's running this next thing I'm not part of it I don't trust I didn't trust our driver it, it was just you know it wasn't just the humor that's fine but it was more that he didn't seem a safe person and then we were told, well, the guy that we're going to have, this is a different company, but also the guy we're going to have grew up on the canyon. He's never had an accident. He knows every rock. You know, he knows this. this he was here as a boy. He knows it and he will be great and you'll actually enjoy it. And, you know, that was so true. And I think when we come to this, it's almost like who are we letting drive? Are we falling forwards into an unknown 
by mistake and leaving it all to fate? Or are we falling backwards into those who've gone ahead of us, who've given us brilliant advice on anxiety, who have prayed for us? Those like Peter and like Paul here who say it's okay, it's okay to be anxious, but there are things that we can do that will help us, prayers we can pray, things that we can call on that will quash our anxiety and increase our gratitude and our peace. Um, and it really is about those sort of two drivers that do we just let self drive um, and that sort of untrustworthy driver that we had or this young guy who'd grown up on the canyon, knew every inch, every twist and turn and was such a safe driver. And in Jesus, we have someone who came to this, uh, you know, was on the canyon, if you like, knows what it's like to be worried he knew what it was like to really have his heart broken in two as he faced his death for you and I. He knew what worry was like, but he knew that transaction where he said, but not my will, but yours. In other words, I surrender. And I wanted to just close by saying that we do know, if we're in answer to the questions in Ecclesiastes, who knows the future? God does. Who's got our future? Not only now, but eternally. Because that last question he says, who knows the days of our lives? God does. And so in a way we can just surrender in a position of saying, well, God, you, you've got my future. Interestingly, in the World War II, there were two lots of um, people surveyed about anxiety. One lot was fighter pilots and one was the ground forces. And the fighter pilots were incredibly uh, more likely to die. It was 50-50 every time they went out, basically, whether they would live or die. And so their peace, apparently, was at about 93% that they were peaceable and content, as opposed to the land troops, who were always on the run and dodging and diving and in trenches and out of them. But the fighter pilots had almost surrendered. They'd just said, it's 50-50 whether I live or die. In other words, I cannot control my future. And they had that sort of surrender. And I, I just think that actually at this time there are so many unknowns, but we do have that known God who holds our future and who sees the unseen things, who sees what we can't, uh, both now and eternally. And uh, we were sent a lovely spoken word that was written um, by a friend of ours, Anna Turner, over in Beirut. And I was going to finish just by reading these words, because actually there's an unseen kingdom. There's a life beyond this one. And there is a good God who's in charge of our falling um, and we can fall back into his care for us, his safety and his eternal grip that will never let go of us. So let's just be still and listen to Anna's words. I choose to build my foundations on this unseen kingdom so that even before this becomes a chapter in history, uncertainty's power cannot keep me. I belong to another kingdom, deeper than this suffering, stronger than uncertainty, providing sunrise from darkness and from death eternity. Amen.